What is up, everyone? Adam Ronis here on the Annie Up podcast presented by Fantasy Alarm and the Sawdust Podcast Network. Today, I'm joined by one of the best fantasy players around, especially in fantasy football. It is Glenn Lowy. He plays in almost all the high stakes leagues. He's won a ton of money. He ranks sixth on the NFFC's all-time money winners list. Glenn, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thank you for having me on, Adam. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you've had a lot of success in fantasy and won a lot of money, and you play in a ton of leagues. You know, what do you see as some of the reasons for your success? Everyone kind of has a different way they attack things. What is it for you that has led to so much success? Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say, you know. Um... You, you work hard. That that's that's the key to success in anything. And you, you you study and you take in all the information. And you don't just show up to your drafts uh, with a with a printed out cheat sheet from that day. You you prepare. And uh, anybody who's successful at fantasy or anything else in this world uh, works hard and prepares and gets ready for their big uh, big challenges. And uh, it makes them uh, more ready to succeed. Now, you took part in the NFFC Super Draft on Friday with your son as well, Joseph, who was a part of it. Uh, and this is a $2,500 entry league. And you have won three of the last five. You're the defending champion. So I think that says it all. You know, I always like to say point to the scoreboard. There's so many people now in social media, in this industry that talk a lot of trash, but we want to see the results. And clearly the results have been there for you. Uh and how does it work with you drafting with your son? First of all, how old is your son? I know I have seen him at events in New York, but how old is he now? And how does it work that you when you draft with him? Uh, he's 13 now. And uh, I, I first took him uh, to New York. You know, we used to play. He used to uh, sit with me when I do online drafts at home. And, uh, you know, sometimes we would play some dailies on Sunday. I'd let him have a dollar league. and. You know, he just uh, track his points and try to beat daddy that day. But, you know, he was always asking if he could come along to New York with me or Vegas. That's the new thing he wants to do. But, um, you know, I put it off until about uh, four years ago in 2017. He turned nine and uh, I got his mother's blessing and uh, I, I took him to New York. And, you know, he sits there with me and he enjoys it. And he, he uh, you know, the first few years, you know, uh, like uh, the first year or two, like any uh, younger player, he wanted his favorite players. He wanted me to draft Odell Beckham in every single league. And uh, but now, you know, he's he's really a big help. Uh, you know, he sits there and and we bounce ideas off each other and he makes suggestions and he he has a really good thought process about it. And, uh, you know, on on occasion, he's persuaded me to. Uh, head in the direction that that he feels is best for us. And uh, I, I think um, I think he only adds to uh, my ability to succeed in these big money leagues. Is there an example from Friday where he persuaded you to do something? Well, yeah, actually, um, in, in uh, one of the uh, big money leagues, the classic, uh, which is a 14 team event, very tough against some very tough players, but uh, the fact that it has 14 teams makes it more challenging. You know, we focused on uh, our running backs and receivers, building uh, that core 
with the early rounds. So we pushed quarterback and tight end. And when it came time to eventually pick a quarterback, there was the safe play available in Matt Stafford. And I was leaning in that direction. And he really wanted to go for Justin Fields, who was still there. Now, typically, ADP says to grab Stafford first. And, um, you know, it's definitely the safer choice. But, uh, you know, after some thought and a lot of persuasion from him, listen, this is our one entry in the classic for the overall. It's an overall championship. You go for the for the upside. You go for the win. And rather than playing it safe, uh, you know, I I chose Fields um, and uh, took him for the upside in the big money weeks. Hopefully he's starting by then. And uh you know, putting up a lot of points, which he certainly has the talent, if not experience to do so. And we'll see how it plays out. So, uh, you know, if he comes in and helps us win, uh, kudos to Joe. If not, he's grounded. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see how that works out. Well, I know he's there with you. So let's talk to him real quick. If Joseph wants to pop on, uh, I know he's excited about this. So, uh, Joseph, just uh, tell me how it is to to uh, pair up with your dad and what this whole experience has been like for you these last couple of years. I, I love it because I'm really into fantasy football with him, but sometimes I don't really like his picks. And, he, <laughs> and the funny thing is every time he tells me to pick a player, he like, I have a player in mind. He does amazing what? that whatever. And then the player he tells me to pick does horrible or gets injured the first game. <laughs> Uh, I, I I think he's uh, he's giving himself some kudos here. Oh, of course, of course. So, I mean, I, Joseph, do you envision a day when you're going to be able to be on your own and go against your dad in one of these big money leagues? Is that what you're looking forward to? Yeah, it is. I would love to do that. I'll tell you, we uh, we face up each other. Uh, you know, we always draft on Sunday. We get our lineups ready for uh, for the season longs. But then we we pick up a couple daily teams as well. And uh, yeah, let me tell you, those, those, uh, the trash talking that goes on that day uh, <laughs> on Sundays between he and I uh, are priceless and uh, great memories and great fun. No, that's what it's about. And you love to, to see that. And I think we're seeing that even more families and, and family leagues, uh, father and sons, mothers and daughters. Like there's so much of that going on. I think that is great. So glad that you guys can enjoy it together because uh, that's what it's about. It's a fun game. And, uh, you know, Glenn, you might want to point to the scoreboard, though, and let him know what the resume says. So, uh, you know, you always have that to back it up. Absolutely. Um, and believe me, I, 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 I've I sent him screenshots of it every once in a while just to remind him who, who's, uh, who's the dad in this family. And yeah, he's probably happy about that, too, because I'm sure some of that money is going his way as well. So. Uh, he, in the end, he's always going to be happy. Uh, but let's let's talk about this uh, NFFC Super. So you had pick four. And for a lot of people this year, that three, four, five pick is kind of difficult unless you clearly feel a strong way about a player. Uh, you went Ezekiel Elliott at pick four. Do you feel strongly about him in that spot? Uh, or was he the best of what was there to choose from for you? Well, honestly, uh, pick four is not my favorite spot by any stretch of the imagination. I think there's a clear top three in uh, CMC, Cook, and Kamara. Uh, pick four is where, you know, you start seeing some variance. Um, it was a tough call. I actually didn't make my decision until I was on the clock and they called my name for a pick. I was uh, 
I was going back and forth between uh, Zeke and Devontae Adams, uh, you know, uh, and and the type of builds I'd be able to do with either or, um, depending upon which way I went. Uh, Eventually, I decided to go with Zeke. You know, it's your first pick. I wanted to get that uh, foundation running back in hand and uh i decided to take it from there i think zeke is solid he does give you some pause uh because of the off year he had last year but Dak's back uh zeke is supposedly healthier and in better shape i'm hoping for a bounce back i'm not a hundred percent confident but confident enough to make him the fourth pick in a uh a big money league so uh, I'm hopeful, and I've got Zeke in some other spots as well. So uh, I'm I'm fairly confident that he's he's going to be at least a solid player for me. You've obviously done a ton of drafts, and I know you still have some to go uh, leading up to the start of the season. What is the preferred spot to draft in for you this year? I don't think uh, there's any question. The best spot to draft in is uh, pick one. Um, you get uh, McCaffrey who, you know, if he bounces back healthy and he seems, you know, all indications are he's uh, he's 100 percent healthy and he um, he has the usage that he's had over the past couple of years of his career. There's nobody beating him in fantasy. He's uh, he's a hundred catch thousand yard, uh, both rushing and receiving goal line back. He does it all. He outscores everybody by a hundred points. You know, he's he's a monster. He's basically you're you're basically starting off with two players. So anytime you can start off with McCaffrey, um, you you've got an edge on everybody else. Yeah, it seems that way for sure. Now, when you go into a draft, do you have a certain roster construction build that you want to start out with, or does it depend what's on the board? Because I think roster construction is extremely important. And in this super, you started three running backs, two receivers in the first five rounds. I'm I'm guessing that wasn't by design. That was by what was on the board. But generally, uh, do you have a, a philosophy as far as roster construction in the early rounds going into a draft? No, I, I actually don't. You know, I start thinking about the play. I'm going to grab at one and depending upon where I am, uh, the the, the a gr- group of players that I'm hoping falls to two. But I honestly, I think one of my um, one of my the strengths that have worked for me over the years is that I'm very flexible in drafts, um, even in the early rounds. Uh, I see how the the board plays out. I get a feel for the way the draft flow is, and I can shift gears pretty easily uh, in different directions. Like I said, even in this draft, I didn't decide on Elliot until honestly the clock was running down on my pick. Um, and, and that goes for every pick from there on, you know, as the board starts to flow and as your team starts to come together after a pick, two picks, three picks, four picks, then I start seeing how my foundation is. And I build from there, you know, I built, you know, everybody, this, there's a lot of, uh, great, great players out there who have a specific strategy that they like to utilize. You know, there's. There's running back heavy teams and and teams that go zero running back or, uh, uh, you know, whatever you want to call a modified uh, running back, modified zero running back or anchor running back. You know, everybody's got ideas of what's going to work in any specific year. And a lot of people follow that strategy. 
I've built all types of teams this year already and every year. Um, I, I just I like to grab the best players early and then build from there. And uh, depending upon who I get in the early rounds depends on how the rest of my roster construction comes together. Yeah, so you started in this draft, Ezekiel Elliott, A.J. Brown, Amari Cooper, and then DeAndre Swift, fourth pick around four. And he's a guy that we have seen fall recently also in this draft. Not many running backs taken early. In fact, in round three, it was 11 wide receivers and one tight end. So running backs were pushed down. Did you feel at that point that Swift was just too good of a value to pass up? Well, I've been on, if you, if you ask Mike Edelman, who, who I know you know as well, uh, NFFC Hall of Famer, and he was uh, in these New York drafts uh, uh, this past weekend, he was busting my balls a little bit because uh, he's seen a few of my uh, drafts and he notices that I get uh, DeAndre Swift quite a bit. And uh, I do like him a lot. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say that I target specifically anybody, but I obviously like DeAndre Swift a lot better than the rest of the field uh, because he seems to fall on my teams a lot. I just see a, a player that um, certainly has the capability of 100 catches. He should be the focus of that team. Um, he could be the goal line back as well. I mean, he could. He has the upside to be a monster. Now, there's a lot of red flags, granted. He's been dinged up. Um, Jamal Williams and, and and the coach speak about a shared role, and I'm sure it will be somewhat of a shared role, though it's, uh, it remains to be played out, uh, the percentages each get. But, um, uh, you know, the, there's, there's red flags that are pushing Swift down the board, and I get that, and I understand it and respect it, and, uh, you know, uh, even to a little bit worry about it. But I, I just see I love – certain players for their ceiling and he's one of them you know everybody's on Eckler this year everybody loves him you know I've seen him go as early as three in some of these drafts um Swift could have an Eckler type role you know uh, uh Detroit's going to be playing from behind a ton Goff is not a downfield thrower per se he's you know he's a guy who utilizes his backs in the passing game uh, I see them playing catch up a lot where Swift, I think, will be the more preferable back uh, for that team. I just see, uh, you know, a, a lot of scripts that will work in his favor. And uh, I think he could be a beast. If he's not, I'm going to have a rough year, or at least uh, for that spot. But uh, if he if it plays out the way I'm hoping, uh, you know, he, he could pay off. And you mentioned that Edelman was looking at your teams and noticing that you have Swift a lot. And this is so, sort of like a home league, a lot of the same players year after year. And you guys know each other well. You're all in so many drafts, drafting against each other. I mean, do you look at other guys in this league and see what they have done? And, and do you use that to your advantage if they're picking next to you? Oh, I know this guy really likes him. I do too. I'm going to take him now. Do you pay attention to all those things or is it just too much to worry about? Not really. Uh, you know, if I know there's a couple zero, the, the one exception I'll make is if I know there's a couple zero wide, uh, zero running back type drafters in a team, in, in a league, I'll know that I better push up wide receivers because they're going to go even faster than typical. So, you know, as a tiebreaker between a running back and a receiver, at that point, I might go receiver um, and then hope the running back falls because, you know, 
they're going to be grabbing receiver after receiver after receiver. And when other players see that, they may panic and start pushing up receivers. So I try to be a little proactive uh, if I know that kind of a draft is in. Or uh, the same thing goes for, uh, you know, a robust running back draft um, where you see a couple you know, if you have one, it's not going to make a big difference. But if you if you recognize a couple of them, um, you you may want to push running backs up because the receivers are last and you'll be able to get good ones. But the running backs will go fast. So if I see a couple hardcore strategy type drafters in there, more than a one or two or three, uh, that may affect my my the player I take in any particular moment. But uh, as far as a specific player, like knowing that Edelman's there or Chris Vaccaro or Billy Wazowski or Andrew Saxon or some of the other players, Frank Mamola, um, Glenn Schroeder or any of the other drafters that are in um, the Super. Listen, I've drafted against a bunch of these guys, uh, Eddie Gillis, uh, Theo Gramager. They, they're great players. Uh, I just want to tread water. I just want to grab the best players and put together the best roster construction. And I don't really worry about who they've taken in past drafts. Uh, I focus on this one. All right, we're going to pay a few bills. Come back and talk more fantasy football with Glenn Lowy. Back here with Glenn Lowy talking some fantasy football. The NFFC Super Draft was Friday night, $2,500 entry, and Glenn has won this three of the last five years, the defending champion as well. Uh, Dak Prescott in round six. We've seen him fall a little bit recently. There was some uncertainty whether he'd be good to go. He's going to start the year. Uh, was he someone that you have in a few leagues, and did you felt like at that point that you just couldn't pass him up in round six? It wasn't so much that I couldn't pass him up. Again, like I referenced earlier, uh, you know, I the way I build teams is, you know, I'm very flexible in the draft. And as my team comes together, um, you know, it helps make me calls, help, helps make me make calls later in the draft. Prescott is a perfect example of that in that, you know, I, I took Zeke in the first round and then. Uh, when we got to third round, um, I, I went for Amari Cooper, who I thought was the best receiver available at the time, uh, the best player available at the time. So um, by the time we got to the sixth round and quarterbacks started going off the board, uh, Lamar Jackson had just went. And, you know, uh, I could have gone another receiver. I at the time only had two receivers and that was a consideration. But the ability to stack Prescott with Cooper and Elliott, again, that wasn't the game plan going in. But um, when that opportunity presented itself, I thought it could be beneficial. I mean, we are talking about the Cowboys offense, uh, which if Dak is healthy and Zeke is healthy um, with those three wide receivers, you know, it could be a monster. They could be putting up tons of points every week uh, to have your foundation have a uh, a stack be of, of cowboy players at its core uh, that could really pay off um, certain weeks. And uh, specifically during the big money weeks, you get a big cowboy blowout victory in week 17, you know, that's going to help you win leagues. So um, that was the game, uh, the thought process there. Uh, in fact, two rounds later, I wanted a receiver in the eighth round, but 
you know, there was there was a lot of choices that I liked uh, besides the one I went went for. But ultimately, the decision to go with Gallup was, again, along that line of thinking. Now, I might have been overdoing it a bit there. <laughs> you know, how many cowboys do you want? But let's say something happens to CD during the course of the year. And now I have uh, Gallup, Cooper and Zeke, along with Dak, and they're still rolling. That's going to be very, very beneficial. And, um, you know, it's a play to win type strategy. And, uh, you know, it came together during the draft. Again, it wasn't planned out before, but the way the draft fell, you know, I, I took I took the uh, what was given to me. And uh, I, I, I think it might work out. Yeah, I think it's important to mention that, too. Like you said, it's play to win. This is a big dollar league and you are playing with a little bit of house money I'm sure, with profiting over the last uh, five years. But for people in their home leagues, do you think this is something that they shouldn't do? Because in the high stakes leagues, obviously, people are shooting for the big prize. You hear people talk about stacks because obviously if it goes off, like you mentioned, it could be a big payday. But for people in their home leagues, do you advise them to do that or you don't think it's the best thing? Uh, I don't think it hurts to stack in your home league, but I don't think it's as beneficial. You only have to beat 11 people. Um, you're not beating, you know, an overall contest of whether it be 300, 1500 or 50,000. You know, the whole idea of stacking uh, really started to take off uh, in the dailies where you had huge fields and um these uh, these daily players really started pushing that as a way to get an advantage or an edge over the rest of the field. Um, but I do think it helps. Um, you know, again, anytime you can get two scores for one, it does help. And uh, but I don't think it's as important, even in these leagues. Um, if there's a clear advantage to one player over another. If I think one player is clearly better than the other, I won't drop down a tier to to create a stack. Uh, if it's within a tier, that'll be a tiebreaker. But, uh, you know, it's got to be uh, something that works out and doesn't have a negative impact as well by grabbing a player you may not believe in as much. You know, everyone has players that they target or they prefer. Are you someone that's not like that, that you kind of just let value fall to you and, or do you have certain players that you have targeted it in your drafts that you do want? Well, ask Edelman. He'll, he'll <laughs> tell you I love, I love DeAndre Swift. Um, I think everybody has, I, I mean, target might be the wrong word, but players that they believe in maybe a little more than others. Now I know some players that are great, great, great players. Uh, uh, you know, someone else that was uh, in this draft, uh, Nelson Souza, you know, he's a good friend of mine and uh, a great player. I know that he targets players. He believes in certain players and he will jump around for them. You know, there are other people like that, that that will jump around for the players they believe in. Uh, I don't really like to chase players up the board. You know, there's, there's times that in early uh, drafts, I'm getting a player over and over and over and over and over again. You know, in the in the in the football guys or the uh, roto wires, the the uh, uh, May, June, July, three fifty drafts that you, you're trying to get an edge on the field by you know getting value early. And I'll have a player that's in the eleventh round every time that I just believe is a 
you know, should be going much earlier. And I, I believe in him obviously more than the rest of the field because I'm getting him in every draft. But sometimes a, a perfect example of that is somebody like Corey Davis, who I was getting everywhere uh, a month ago, a month and a half ago. But now I'm not getting anywhere because he's jumped four or five rounds in the last two months. You know, something happened, you know, the, I guess a training camp and uh, the uh, the preseason games where Zach Wilson started to target him a little more and Elijah Moore got a little banged up and he wasn't out there. And all of a sudden, Corey Davis is going in the seventh round. And there were players I liked there better. So now I'm not getting Corey Davis at all. And so I don't I won't really chase guys up the board, but. I think everybody has players that they may believe in more than the rest of the field. And it's not really targeting. It's just when they're there, you like them better than anybody else. And they're always there because you just happen to like them better than the players you're playing against. Uh, an example of that is DeAndre Swift. I passed on him plenty. You know, uh, in recent drafts, uh, there were a couple of times Allen Robinson was there. I, I took Allen Robinson over him because I just believe he's more of a sure thing. They both can provide that same crazy ceiling and impact if everything goes right, but his floor is much higher. So, uh, and the, and the build that I, I had, uh, established through the first two rounds just made Robinson a better pick for me than Swift. Hey, you know what? Uh, other times I've taken Swift depending upon the build. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. I don't really like to target anybody specifically, but there are players that seem to find their way on my team. There's no question about that. Now you talked about doing drafts going back to May or June. How many total leagues with Fab are you going to be in this year? I haven't counted, uh, but I think it's about 22 million. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> it's going to feel that way on Wednesdays, uh, Fab Wednesdays. But honestly, it's it's about 50. Um you know, I, I do a couple real high stakes and I do, a, you know, a, probably 10 to 20 mains between all the big contests and the rest are going to be football guys um, or uh, Roto Wires, you know, the 350s or um, FFWC online championships. You know, I have a handful of those um, and and main events do all three contests and and uh, then the big ones like the Super, which, you know, are big paydays if you if you pull them off and uh but uh 50 is about my max i know it sounds like a tremendous amount to some uh, of the people that'll be listening to this uh this podcast but uh there's people out there that have the uh, a remarkable ability to manage 200 or more teams you know some of the best players in the world i don't know how they do it i couldn't i know some people partner up uh, besides my son, that's not something I've really done. Uh, I handle all my teams myself and I have a full-time job and uh, three kids that I love to spend time with. But I find that, you know, somewhere between 40 and 50 teams is my sweet spot. Um, and I, I can manage that pretty easily. Um, I, I don't want to say easily. Wednesdays is all pretty tough. But uh, uh uh, where it doesn't become overwhelming, uh, but that's about the max I'll do uh, somewhere around the 50, 50 area. How long does it take to go through the waiver wire then? I mean, you must start it. Do you start it on Monday? Oh, uh, no, no, I don't start it on Monday. You know, I probably start a little bit on Tuesday. You know, I don't watch a lot of TV, honestly, you know, uh, 
uh, my kids or my wife will watch TV and I love to be around them. So I'm not somebody who goes off to my man cave and, and, uh, you know, I'm by myself, I'll, you know, I'll sit on the couch with my laptop and that's what I enjoy. That's my TV. You know, I, I, uh, that's my way of winding down after a day of work. You know, I've coached my kids, you know, I come home from work, I go coach my son. Uh, and then when that's all done and I'm, I'm winding down for the day after dinner and, you know, my wife will put on housewives of whatever County and <laughs> then I'll have my laptop next to her on the couch and I'll be looking up fantasy news and I'll be making decisions. But, you know, the great thing about uh, fantasy, whether you have one team or you have 50 teams or in some people's cases, 200 teams, you know, when you're making those free agent decisions, you know, there's only a handful of players every, every week that you really need to, to learn about, you know, it's, uh, it's not like this 200, but baseball is a lot tougher because baseball has all these different positions and all these different, uh, rotisserie categories that you have to monitor. Football is really about filling holes and getting players who put up points. So, you know, you learn the handful of players that, you uh, you believe in any specific week and you try to get them on your team. You find where you need a running back and you've already got your two or three running backs that you like. You you find where you need a wide receiver or some wide receiver depth and you, you find those teams where you, you, you could use another wide receiver too and you make your plays. And I can go through uh, Feb. Again, I'll need the full day Wednesday. Wednesday's a rough day, you know. Wednesday's a day where I come home from work, I eat dinner, and then everybody knows that I give daddy his space. He's got some work to do. But outside of Wednesdays, I, I think it's pretty easy. And then Sunday mornings, I guess, if there you have one player on a lot of leagues and then you find out at 1130 he's inactive, I guess that is could be challenging as well, right? Uh, you know, it's listen, if you find out last minute that a player you, you have uh, – in your in your lineups across the board or a lot of lineups is ruled out that's a problem but you know what you still got an hour uh i can whip through them pretty easily again at 50 teams i can you know i have a i have a notebook that i keep where i you know i know what players are where and um you know it's it, i just flip through and find okay that team i find that team boom make the change find that team boom make the change make the change you know, whatever. It it doesn't take that long. Where it was tough for me is I used to coach my son uh, every Sunday morning uh, in flag football. And, uh, you know, sometimes you had those 11 or 12 o'clock games. And, you know, during halftime, I'm checking news, you know, <laughs> my halftime speech, you know, and uh, grabbing some water, you know, and may maybe making a couple moves uh, there. But Outside of that, you know, it's it, first of all, it's something I love. I mean, I love fantasy football, like my son referenced earlier. Uh, you know, he loves it. If you love something, it's not really work. You know, it's a passion. It's something you enjoy doing. It's a hobby. Uh, yes, it's paid off for me over the years. I've made some money. I've won some leagues. I've, I've gotten some notoriety and that's all great. But even if none of that was around, I remember when I was just playing my home league and I just actually played it again yesterday for the for the first time in, I mean, not the first time, for the 28th straight year or something like that, uh, we've been playing together. And the trash talk in that league is unbelievable. And it's a joy. And, you know, it's not going to pay off like a super, but it's just as enjoyable. And if that was the only league I, I played in, I would research just as hard because I loved it. I, I, I've always loved it. 
it's it's fun for me. It's, some people love fishing. Some people love golf. They could do it every second of every day and and never get bored and never get tired. For me, it's fantasy football. I think you summed that up perfectly. I'm curious though, in your home league, how have you fared? Do you win it a lot? I think I'm tied. If I'd have to double check, but I think I'm tied for the most championships uh, with uh, two other guys. Uh, uh, nothing against uh, uh, most of the players there, but uh, the championship trophy uh, seems to circulate around uh, a handful of guys most years. Uh, and I've won my share and uh, I've gotten my bragging rights in that league and I'm very proud of it. You know, uh, I've been in that league a very long time and uh, I want to win that league every single year, just like I want to win the Super or the Platinum, the NFFC title, the FFPC title. I want to win that league. And I really, really do. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, you know, especially with a group that you've been together with a long time, there's a lot of trash talk and I'm sure you're the target. You know, they they know about your prowess and they were like, we got to take down Glenn. So uh you, you got a big target on your back in that. So, man, that was good stuff, though, man. I, I always enjoy talking to you. Uh, didn't get to see you this year. Unfortunately, I, I wasn't out there. But that's great information, man. I just like getting different perspectives of the different high stakes players. And everyone, you know, has a different way they they go about it. And I think yours is a little bit unique as well. Well, thank you. I, I, I enjoyed the conversation as well. I could talk fantasy football for hours. I, Every single day. It's it's a joy. One of the great thing about uh, the live drafts is you, you're surrounded by people who are just as passionate about um, this hobby as I am. And, you know, my son gets exposed to it as well. And he's he's in the middle of those conversations and uh, you just sit around talking about fantasy football and it's a joy. No, it definitely is. And I've always said I'm blessed to be able to do this as my career make a living off it. So uh, but I have so much respect. Uh, for the high stakes players. I always try to have them on my shows, get their insight uh, because you guys put in a lot of work and win some big money and you are definitely at that top of the list. So I uh, want to thank Glenn for taking some time out here on Labor Day as well. I know he needs to get back with the family and the kids, so I'll let him enjoy his time. Again, thanks to Glenn Lowy for joining me. This is the Annie Up Podcast and I'll be back here tomorrow.